Thank you for tuning in once again. It's Draco McCoy, Baby Guillotine. You're now listening to Bleeding Out Podcast. Uh, you know, I'm I'm the host. It's my shit. You know, it's 2022. So if you ain't if you ain't tapped in before, it's fine. It's only a couple years old. But look, you know, I'm back. I'm I'm just this is audio only for now. It's my podcast. I use this motherfucker to talk to the people I know who've been making moves, either you know, starting businesses or. Uh, you know, doing artist shit, you know, successfully. I be trying to get to the bottom of it. I've always been like a business-minded person. I really love free game, and that's what I use this podcast for. Uh, so we can, you know, maybe inspire somebody or, or you know, just spread the word for the beautiful, amazing people doing what they do in this city, man, um, and, and get them stories out. As usual, I mean, like everybody else, everybody got a podcast now, but, you know. Uh, also, I, I drew new art for my shit this year. I try to draw a new art for it every year. Uh, but I draw all the art for all the cover arts and all that shit, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, whatever. You know, uh, more news about me <laughs> before I, you know, look, this is why I use this part four. I'm a, I dropped the album. Damn, it's been a minute since I dropped one of these podcast episodes. But Have Dead Pariahs out now. Go ahead and uh, man, blast my shit, man. It's out everywhere, every fucking where. I put it everywhere. I did. I mean, it's all produced by Black Youth. Yeah, my brother, uh, best producer in the fucking world. What can I say? Um, one and a half songs is produced by Bobby Trill. Man, great, great, great producer. I can't even lie. Me and him got a lot of shit coming. He's been, he's blowing my mind. Great guy. And look, man, I got another tape I'm working on right now. I got like three more tapes I've been working on, but that's neither here nor there. It's in the future, man. It's coming soon. That shit, just keep blasting my shit. Blast what I got. You feel me? Uh, other than that, I've been focused on my health. I hope y'all doing the same. You know, I'm trying to uh, stay in the gym, stay stay doing, making healthy, stupid decisions. I've been focused on NFTs. I like the music NFT scene right now. It's fucking crazy. I got my first uh, NFT song, Minted. I put it out on Catalog Works. Shout out to Ivan Inglor. Shout out to Super. Uh, shout out to all the people in that community that have been, you know, looking out and, and, you know, reaching back and, you know, filling me in and giving me free game on that, man. Uh, I need to get one of y'all on this podcast at some point. It's good shit going on. Uh, I hope that y'all are staying up on the new shit going on in this world. And I hope that y'all staying healthy and making good decisions. And I hope you tell somebody you love them today and shit. Um, But anyways, we back, trying to get back on track. Uh, This episode... Um, for sound space is actually old as fuck I'm not even gonna lie well i think we did this shit like last summer but i got like three episodes that i couldn't drop because i broke my laptop and i got depressed and i wanted to finish my album so now i got a new laptop and i'm dropping this shit so i hope that y'all don't mind my apologies we're gonna get this one out i got an episode with uh with the homie terrible tony he be pain he makes great paintings i like what he do a lot always been a good fan of his and big fan of my other homie i got an interview just tucked with my boy being out here visuals uh one of my favorite videographers so look man uh you know shit coming after that after them three after these three i'm gonna go ahead and start on my 2022 shit but you know tap in it's good words it's good game it's good stories and it's shit that needs to be heard i can't wait to give it to you uh but yeah i'll go ahead and shut the fuck up uh sound space podcast and episode whatever the fuck uh 2022 and kai and ricky gonna tell y'all how they started their uh, studio space in indy with friends and uh it is a little bit older so make sure y'all tap in with them and see what's happened since uh, start the motherfucking show three
two, and, and one. Yeah! <laughs> It's Draco and this motherfucker, man. Bleeding out all over the motherfucking place. Uh, man, figuratively, not literally. <laughs> and uh, I got my boys, Kyle McGinnis and Ricky. Richard Anderson. You can call me Ricky. He's fine. And nice to meet y'all, <laughs> man. Nice to, nice to, nice to, <laughs> nice to meet be with you, y'all too, again. Draco. <laughs> I, hope, uh, uh, I hope you guys are having a great day today so far. You know what I mean? I'm glad that we're here and we're making it happen. Um, Ricky and Kyle represent Soundspace. Uh, Soundspace Beta. It is a recording uh, studio. They got what a recording space, producing space, rehearsal space, uh, and a meeting space where you can, you know, have meetings and shit. And it's pretty tight. So, and I've been here. I've seen it kind of sort of since the beginning. So, uh, but before I get to talking about it, I want to know about you guys because you know this is for the people. Uh, and and I think this would be a good opportunity, you know, to to educate some motherfuckers on how they can start a business as such. So. Kyle, let me tell tell me something about yourself. Uh, where where you coming from? Where you come from? How'd you grow up? And uh, you know, what are the beginnings of Kyle? Yeah, that's a lot to unpack there. Uh, a little what's, bit. <laughs> what's up, y'all? Uh, Kyle McGinnis, one of the co-founders of Soundspace. I've been in indie for probably seven years now. Uh, got recruited out here to play soccer in college and uh, University of Indianapolis on the south side. Found Fountain Square. A uh, couple years left in school, and just like gradually fell in love with the city and the neighborhood. And uh, and I was wrapping up school. I met uh, this guy's roommate at Calvin Fletcher's Coffee, uh, and he was like, "Hey, my roommate's got this got this cool idea about music. He used some marketing help. I was doing photography and some marketing stuff at the time, and um, it made sense. And I was kind of like a why not for me of like, yeah, sure, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to meet your roommate." heard about the concept and, and Ricky had a sheet of paper and this idea. And, and I just sat down and right away I was just like, man, I really like this dude. <laughs> um, he was very intelligent, really empathetic. And that felt like somebody I could build something with. And when I saw the concept of like making that music space available, uh, in a different way and like a better business model, um, than since the labels <laughs> aren't around in the format they used to be. Yeah. Especially here. I mean, personally, I'd start a label, but it wouldn't be for no reason, like, for, for any gains other than, like, uh, just to combine my resources to help motherfuckers. You feel me? Absolutely. Uh, at some point, you know, I want to have my own space like this, you know, just, just as a resource for my people specifically, you know. And I feel like uh, just shit like that is very valuable, especially community-wise. Yeah. Uh, uh, what were you going to school for? And uh, public relations, I felt like it was the, the communicating and that side of stuff was, like, the the draw for me or the thing I felt like I could do strongly mm-hmm. um, that would translate to like whatever I wanted to do. So what was your, like, what was the first thing that, that came to mind that made you be like, okay, that, that is a, a, a career choice or a educational standpoint that you wanted to start building on? Yeah. I, I was a freshman, my freshman year seminar class. Uh, my professor that ran the PR program now runs the whole communication department. Uh, Rebecca uh, Gilliland, she, I had her in a class and, and she really broke down those fundamentals of like PR and, and I, I, more than that, I connected with her as a person and she's become kind of like a mentor mm-hmm. type person for me, um, out here in Indy. So that, uh, really just that one connection. And, and, you know, from there it spawned, wow, this is a path that makes a lot of sense and, and gives me a, a unique skill set to like take into those rooms. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think it's, it's, and, and plenty of people on the, 
team provide this perspective here or a, or a really, really valuable perspective, but just to think about the way that that communication matters and why those words you say and put out there are important. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a person too, right? So it, it just causes, um, caused me to think a little bit differently about that as like being an, an art and skill in and of itself. I mean, learning, knowing how to talk, knowing how to articulate yourself. Uh, it, it is very important. It's something that I learned as like just young. Cause you know, I get myself into, uh, really unique situations just by knowing how to communicate with people. Uh, did you end up graduating? I did. I actually, I dropped out a couple years in, took some time, uh, for myself and to really, really reevaluate what I wanted to do. And, you know, it, it was car- part of this recommitting to, I, I wanted to stick around India. I wanted to make that home. I wanted to, to build here before I moved on elsewhere. And so I did go back, um, you know, worked, stayed where I had to like made mm-hmm. sacrifices to like make that work on, mostly on my own and there were a bunch of great people to help me along the way but um yeah committed to to going back graduated at the end of 2018 and and about a month before I graduated I, I met him and uh we talked about this concept and I was like yeah I'll, I'll give you a year because why not like uh people like I, I kind of found entrepreneurialism like early in life and got to listen to people see people like Gary Vaynerchuk like speak live and stuff and some yeah <laughs> he's he no crazy. joke and uh yeah it really something he said that really stuck with me was like I'm gonna always give more than I take uh because the end of the day and just a little bit though because I never want to be taken like you know for granted but I'm gonna take 49 percent because the way I live my life 49 percent of a fuckload is still a fuckload <laughs> and, <laughs> and and that really translates to that PR stuff for me like it was an opportunity that like building relationships and communicating with people and, and how to, and then that you could do that on behalf of people to a business and vice versa and like do it with a business and how that can, you know, communicate with people on the, why it matters mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. And, and that is definitely a skill set in and of itself. So now I do have a question. So, you know, what, what are you personally into? Because it sounds like, uh, as far as this situation goes, you kind of, uh, you know, came a part of it as a businessman, you know what I mean? And I, I, I'm into business ventures and stuff like that. Uh, I'm very into entrepreneurial things. It's always been my main interest is uh-huh. just money, business, uh, relations, uh, you know, big into finance and credit and shit like that. You know what I mean? Investments. Like just shit like that. I, I mean, it's, this has always just been the peak of my interest. Uh-huh. Uh, but it sounds like as far as this goes, it's like a, a business partner situation, a bit of an entrepreneurial standpoint on yours. So like, have you, do you have any type of musical background at all? Or if not, like what are you actually into uh, besides just that? Yeah, you know, you got a hobby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got a couple hobbies for yeah, sure. Talk about it. Uh, yeah, man, that's um, that's a great question. For me, uh, a, a few months into the working on the sound space stuff, and man, I you know even growing up like going to college here and stuff, I I didn't really know that there was <laughs> such an incredible like generations upon generations of talent and musical history and all this stuff here. And for me what I was into, what I've been into is I was able to look back and all the things that I've naturally gravitated to, like, and found that expression in for me, have always felt like universal languages. I played soccer, football, right? And it's like global. Um, I love soccer. Mm. I love soccer. Talk and about and it. I, I, play, I play FIFA a lot. Uh, um, baby mama, she she played soccer growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, she Mexican, so 
I, I didn't really understand it. I don't like how long the games last. Uh, on FIFA, it's a lot faster. <laughs> you like, speed the <laughs> clock up, you feel me? I don't like the fact that it takes so long, but I always liked the fact that it was global. I used to like Harry Potter when I was younger, mm-hmm. and like the, the, the Quidditch shit is just like soccer, you know what I mean? And I was just like, damn, like that is a universal... Uh, sport you know what I mean yeah. like I mean I guess all sports can be but something about soccer is just crazy I don't know how to fucking play it but yeah you I would just, love to you just need your feet in the ball bro yeah I'm play not anywhere in the world I'm trying to learn you know uh, better my relationship with my body you feel me so, yeah, yeah absolutely um soccer I got into photography writing and uh and then big on the wellness like holistically uh it was weightlifting and then like nutrition and like meditation and yoga and like the spiritual aspects of that and that wellness all like rounding together so that was all kind of like finding that way and in the music and the writing was like I guess the thing that I had carried forward consistently it was journaling and then into poetry and then into lyrics and I guess that was the the hook into like the music and and Ricky's got definitely a different background but um similar in this sense of like didn't really have that expression or that opportunity to like explore that, like where I was from. I I grew up like South of Columbus, Ohio, not big town at all. Um, where it was, you know, the type of like atmosphere where like (laughs) your life ends after Friday nights, like the lights go off. Right. And, uh, it's all like sticking around from there. And I don't know, for me, it was like athletics was the thing that like, in addition to the academics that I already had, like, if I could do that, I could, I could get out. And like, I wanted to go to a city and wanted to explore that in, in, on my own terms. And so when I found music, it, it really made sense to like build a community around one of those universal languages. Um, and I think what I've been able to learn more through this process is like what, what's really sacred to me. And like what I, what I really value is like holding that space for people. Now, now apart from, you know the the business the space and the community you know what personally are you learning about uh you know just like uh, like things that uh people appreciate about making music or the art form or you know like what's the biggest thing that sticks about to you that is the reason why the community exists and why you know so many people are involved in it you know what i mean like mm. what about this community is it like have you learned to appreciate just beyond the fact that it's a good business and a good opportunity you know what I mean? Yeah. Because let's say if there were like 50 studios here that all did the same thing. You feel me? Like, what would, what what is, uh, I don't know, is there anything like connecting to you personally to where you're like, I would do this if it didn't make any money? Or like, if there weren't any opportunities, you know, yeah. past it? Absolutely. I think for me, like music is is definitely one of, the, it's one of those universal languages. And more than that, it's, it's healing. It's like a true form of expression. And that I think without that... And the way that's shifted in our landscape, right? People are, they sit in their their one bedroom apartments or they're isolated and there's not that community atmosphere, right? You're not gathered around a fire at the end of the night, like howling at the moon and and sharing songs and dances and like all that stuff doesn't happen as much organically nowadays. So I think, you know, business aside, it's like in our, I think it's in our spirit. I think it's one of those fundamental things that you, you, as a, as a human, like, even if you're terrible, like you should sing or like play an instrument or like shake a rattle, like do something with some rhythm and express like that in a, in a way. Um, and I think beyond that, like, uh, you know, it's given me a huge appreciation this space has and just getting it to the point it is now, even in beta is like, 
man, the people that have like sacrificed and, and held these spaces down for artists throughout the decades, whether that's opening up your garage to let a band rehearse or, or that's say venues and shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing together a venue, like letting us use your house for a house show. <laughs> Absolutely. We break man. The floor and, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and all that shit is, you know, is instrumental in stitching together that fabric of like what a scene becomes. It's all of that. And so for for me, like what was really exciting here is that like I saw an opportunity to welcome more people in in a way that benefited everybody. Uh, and, and that that made a lot of sense for me like and uh yeah last question what Please. type of music you listen to like 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 your favorite shit like i don't know you you into like uh you know rap shit like rock or you, you feel me you just listen to like just straight up just Wiz Khalifa or something <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> Are you like festivals big, imagine like, dragons guy fallout boy i'm just fucking with you i mean uh, hey <laughs> you mean jonas brothers or some shit I don't know. Talk yeah, man. I mean, I, I'm a writer. I love the lyrics. Um, for me, I, I I love hip hop. I love the way that um, that people are able to like transmute that energy or and, and put it into words and give some form of expression that helps them find that meaning. And for me, it's all like it's what about you the lyrics. To now? Man, for me right now, Just I mean, give me like one 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 artist that you've been fucking with. Rex Life Raj. Nice. Uh, Never heard of it. R E X X Life Raj R A J. Um, I'm about to. I'm about to. He's uh, like West Coast, like, uh, yeah, hip hop guy. He's um, I just love. Uh, for me, I I listen to a lot of that, but I I love the classical music and stuff. Like I'm big on yoga and meditation, so I'll go from like, <laughs> uh, go to a hip hop album like Nas's new album, and then like an hour later, I'm listening to singing bowls and like stretching. So <laughs> it's nice. kind of everywhere, you know. That's what's up. Uh, That's hard. All right, cool. <laughs> now, Ricky, let's talk, man. What's up? How you feeling, bro? I'm feeling good. How are you? I'm great, man. And tell me about, <laughs> man. Yeah, I love the name Ricky. It's <laughs> a hard ass name. It made me think of like, uh, I don't know, like some greasers or something. You know, like oh yeah, like okay. you need a leather jacket on. Yeah, yep. yep. Uh, man, tell me about your life. Um, that's a broad question. Well, I like what it. What were you? What were you into as a child? What was I into as a child? What did you want to be when you were going to grow up? That is an int- Yeah. All right. Um, well, my dad's uh, an ER physician, uh, and so we grew up uh, our entire lives with him telling us, don't go be ER physicians. Um, <laughs> and so naturally, both me and my brother pursued ER physician as our main uh, <laughs> pathway into life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can you explain it? Um, so can I explain? Just uh, what the position entails. Sure. So um, the I my dad goes to work every day and deals with people's medical emergencies so he's just constantly like and when he feels best about it is when there's like an actual real life problem that he saved somebody's life in right Mm -hmm. um and so typically you'll go to the er if you have some life or death situation and then he'll be the person that does you know immediate life-saving care and then sends you to a specialist afterwards after you're stabilized in some way shape or form so that's awesome yeah so that was um I grew up with that as sort of like a a role model, I guess. Um, And as I kind of grew into that, um, I was constantly just, I love ideas in general. And so the more knowledge I could pursue and everything, like growing up in my household was just basically, my my dad never talked to us like we were kids, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was always like, whenever you had a question, it was like, 
him talking about the answer and whatever his current idea of the answer was. It wasn't like trying to dumb it down in any way, shape, or form. Because mm-hmm. um, my dad was, uh, you're a physician, my mom was a nurse, and they met in medical school. So it was something where it was like just a whole intellectual side of things. Um, and so I grew up in that kind of an environment. Um, I when I, I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, um, but I've been here for about the same amount of time as Kyle. Um, and so I, what happened was essentially I took a test on, in high school that was like, what college should you go to kind of questionnaire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put in all of the things I wanted to do. Uh, and it said, you have one of one result in schools to, to choose from. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll check out that school. Yeah. Uh, and so that's how I ended up at IUPUI here in Indianapolis. Um, and I studied uh, neuroscience and biotechnology. Nice. Um, and so neuroscience was a relatively new like thing at the school. And then biotech is more of like a an applied science. And so it has fewer schools across the U.S. for that in particular. So Can like, you explain it to me um, uh, in little words? Sure. Yeah. Uh, biotech or? Uh, both. Both. Yeah. Um, so neuroscience. Neuroscience is uh, the study of the brain, which is um, like kind of a strange philosophical idea of like the brain trying to learn more about itself. Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. It's like, and I don't know how much you could find out about, uh, I mean, the brain is deeper than, than the fucking brain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's not something that you can figure out. Exactly. But then somehow we created the internet, so there's that. <laughs> you know, like, yep. I feel like a, there's too much shit that we shouldn't have been able to figure out that we figured out. So, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Basically, the, stu- the study of icky, squishy things and just trying to figure out that when you poke one thing, then something else happens. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like basic biology. And mm-hmm. then neuroscience is like, after you poke that thing, you like cut it up and then you look at it under a microscope and then you're like, I guess this is what happened, and then yeah. you move forward. But so, um, what do they look to fix? Is is it like um, you know, they're trying to fix a uh, not fix, but you know, help people with like autism or see why uh, sure. you know brain damage happens? Uh, what's, what's that shit that people go through when they're in sports? CT. CT. Yeah. yeah. Is it that type of shit? Yeah. Well, I've I've had like seven concussions. So any, we can talk ki- about it. <laughs> <laughs> any kind of um. Any kind of neurological anything is studied in neuroscience. It's really just um, the way academia is laid out is it's like any individual laboratory Mm -hmm. um, is receiving grants and pursuing like a very specific narrow kind of research, right? Interesting. So like you'd have, for example, here in town, we have um, Stark Laboratories, which Mm. is some, you know, some Marvel stuff, I guess. But (laughs) the... uh, you go there and it's Stark Neurosciences and they have essentially a large building <clears throat> with a bunch of labs in it, right? Um, and those labs are all individually pursuing various studies in neurosciences mm-hmm. and they're not really like, like they, there's maybe some overlap via like people talking with each other. Um, but it, it's very similar to entrepreneurship where it's like you have to go, if you're going to get a PhD, you then have to go get your grants and then you set up and your career is dependent upon you going out and finding money to pursue a very specific kind of research. Okay, right? yeah, because I was just about to say, I mean, that sounds like some some jobs that don't actually like have services, mm-hmm. like just a, a job as a researcher, I don't understand how you could, you know, get paid for that type yeah. of shit you know what i mean yeah. or like uh what the what is the overall goal especially because i feel like answers come very rarely yep 
a lot of PhD work, um, like when you're, and again, I was, I was aiming towards MD PhD. So mm-hmm. I was going to go and find, like get a medical doctorate and a PhD because I enjoyed yeah. the research portion of stuff. Yeah. Um, but the PhD work, like if you get a PhD and are pursuing just research, most of the time will just be like, you, you get to do some fun stuff, but a lot of the time is like writing the grants, getting the funding and making sure that your team is executing on them. Right. Yeah. So if you're like a junior researcher or people who are working in the those labs most of the time you'll be running constant experiments and like working through everything mm-hmm. but if you're the actual phd most of the time you're like overseeing like a manager right mm-hmm. um the weird part for me is that like the skills involved to get to the phd part they don't really teach you management or any other component of business it's just the phd part right yeah so most of the time um, for me, I felt very strange in those kind of environments where I love the academia side of it. Um, but then the actual like being with people and working together towards a common goal. And, and I mean, I've only ever had um, a handful of lab managers and I've never really like hardcore connected with any of them, but like one. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's just because those conversations that you have with them on a regular basis is just like. Like they just never developed a managerial skill, right? Like, and that's very interesting yeah. because at the end of the day, you have to become a, a business-minded mm-hmm. type of motherfucker. And if you if you're just into research and other things, and uh, they don't build that skill on you, that's strange. I guess. Uh, so, how far did you get? What, did you graduate? Did uh, you yeah. So I graduated with um, both of those majors as uh, bachelor's degrees, mm-hmm. and then uh, I scored like 97th percentile on the MCAT, and then nice. I was headed into MD PhD as like a career path. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my last year of college, uh, I ended up working. I, I I was doing molecular neuroscience research and stuff like like all throughout my uh, career in in, col- in uh, college. And then in that last year, um, I switched kind of hard into design research Mm. and um, engineering. So it was sort of like a complete (laughs) switch from icky, squishy things into like cold mechanical iron moving at this, you know, 40 RPMs, right? Um, And so the the research I did then was... um, I got a fellowship as an uh, organization for space research scholar, basically. Goddamn. Yeah. Um, and so I, I moved into... Fucking Ricky. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Ricky is right. Uh, and so I, I moved into um, uh, researching like the feasibility of a moon base in today's day and age, of like how would you go about building it, what's the economic return, how do you make it like make sense for the planet. Right? I just learned... About, we just learned about this like last week. <laughs> <laughs> that amongst all this, Rick designed a moon base in yeah. college. So that, that was one of the papers. Rick, bro. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna name my son Rick. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so that was that was super interesting. And then the design portion of it was um, the reason I moved into that was because in my third year in college. Um, I was able to go out and attend, uh, uh, basically, I, I, I got a fellowship uh, called the University Innovation Fellowship uh, through Stanford University. Um, so I was able to, my school sent me out there to go to, like, workshops and learn a whole bunch from, like, Google, Microsoft, and all these various areas of, like, innovation and startup kind of languages. Mm. Um, so that's where I learned, like, mindsets like lean, agile, like, all of the various components that help you, like, get started with something and, like, organize it as you go forward. Um, and a lot of that really hit me hard because I was like, oh, 
like I just noticed all of these, like I was having this weird kind of tension with the, like we mentioned with researchers where I was like, this is not a good managerial environment. Like, how is this, like, how do I navigate this? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I realized that like the scientific method and the thing that you're trained in to get to that point is like one portion of a larger system by which you can like take something from some, from nothing, from nothing and like build something great out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, it was realizing that a lot of people who are in those positions, um, have, awesome ideas and they publish research and they like, they come up with something that can change lives forever. Um, and then it sits in like a patent drawer somewhere under like a bunch of other patents that are equally as great. And it's like, how do you actually commercialize something to a point where it's like, okay, we've figured this out. How does it go into people's hands? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. So, right. And I have the corniest question and I hate this fucking name. No, you're good. Uh, but so, you know, and I've been sitting on the question, and it's fucking. I hate that you touched on to three things that could apply to it. Uh, Elon Musk, I hate his name because Elon Musk just got like this is the big. This, everybody's on his dick constantly, yep. right? But I think so. You know, first of all, as far as the neural, you know, science and shit goes, uh, he's trying to make that that chip or mm-hmm. whatever that goes into your brain. It might be able to patch up things or, or you know so on and so forth. Is that is, is that something that interests you or, or scares you? Um, innovation is always scary, uh, but when you realize, like, it, it depends on what you use it for, right? So, like, most of the time you have to think about technology as a tool. Mm. Um, it's not a solution. And mm. so whenever you're moving forward with something, like, understanding what you're solving um, and then using the tool to solve that to, to make that solution grow faster or get better is kind of the way you have to think about it. So for example, um, pursuing that kind of a chip is a great leap in technology advancement. Um, the question is then what do you use it for after you have that technology? Like what actual problem is it going to solve? And Mm -hmm. like, and then what do people do with it when it's not to solve a problem? Yeah. When people get, you know, motherfuckers start uh, figuring out how to get high by just fucking bugging their brain. You feel me? Or or they download a bunch of porn or some weird shit. You know what I mean? I mean, I think there's already a ton of input that messes with our neurochemistry anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like adding one additional thing that does that. I mean, even if it's a direct uplink into your brain, I mean, be much different. Yeah, I think it's gonna. People will, you know, people will abuse it, and also it will save countless lives, right? So it's like both of those things are true about technology, and it's because it's an amplifier. So like whatever the minuscule thing that you're like you're like you're solving, or whatever the minuscule thing that you're doing to get high or to like do Mm. the bad thing, Mm. um, the technology will just amplify it, right? And so it'll only become obvious because the tech is allowing you to do this, but you probably would have been doing these small things anyway because they're solving problems or helping you cope right second thing the moon base situation so are you into that you want to you want to get out there um i i've thought about it a bunch (laughs) Uh, the uh i know it takes a long time i think it's like a two-year trip yeah it was interesting um i think the moon i'm not sure that it's it's i don't think it takes that long to physically get to the moon Uh, i think i'm thinking about mars yeah i was gonna say mars is a mars is more of a one-way thing at this point um and so that's that's the main difficulty is like shipping people to mars to get started is pretty much just you're not coming back at least until the point where we can start to figure out how to bring people back in that way too but 
um, that's a that's a really tough journey. Um, is that type of shit you think about like constantly? I don't I don't know. You know what, what's usually on your mind as far as space travel you goes. But you yeah, know. the the main thing is uh, the reason people want a moon base um, is because it as a waypoint in order to like ship things elsewhere in the solar system. Um, it takes significantly less energy to get off of the moon than it does to get off of the Earth. Right. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, a lot of the papers and things that I was working on were with patents that essentially allow for manufacturing buildings to be built on the moon. Mm. So you would essentially like build a factory there and then you would build things that normally you'd be building on Earth. But now that it's in a different environment, you're able to uh, ship it off for like, I I think it's something like, you know, less than 30% of the energy required to get off of Earth or something like that. That's sick. That's so, crazy. Yeah, so it means you can go way further, and that could be the solution to, like, getting back from Mars. Like, having enough energy to lift off of Mars again and having the fuel to do that could be solved somewhat, potentially, in that way. So It makes a lot of sense. I never thought about that shit. Uh, okay, so boom. And then, thirdly, Elon Musk, I hate the name, but... Uh, <laughs> It's just, all right, so boom, when you talk about, you know, the people who have all these ideas, they have things that could potentially change the world as we know it, but they're just idea makers, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then you get this guy that, you know, knows as much as Ricky, but he's out here and he's like, you know, able to just just start throwing it all at the board. Like, we're doing this today, we're doing this today, and we're doing that, you know what I mean? Uh, You know, do do you feel like, uh, uh, I don't know, where was I going with that shit? Ah, fuck it. I guess I was just finna dick ride <laughs> fucking Elon Musk again. <laughs> All right, so boom. How did you end up uh, meeting your roommate? And and what is what is how does that lead to you to here? Um, so I've always had a tendency to act like a lichen, which is half fungi, half plant. Not like exactly half, but basically both of those. Yeah. Um, and I know this is a really circuitous way of going around, uh, but essentially a lichen is something that um, whenever there's like a bare rock surface, it's like the one plant that can come in and turn the rock into soil. Um, so for me, I've always felt like that pioneer species where it's like, I'll just go somewhere for the sake of like, I see good opportunity there and then I'll just build a new life there and bring old people from like previous, like I just, the cross pollination that happens afterwards is just sort of like a natural process, I feel. Um, and so the way I met my current roommate, um, and, uh, was actually in college and it was, um, he came in on the first day uh, and we lived in a dormitory at the school and I knew basically nobody and just came here from Pennsylvania and then happened to meet him and we just hit it off really well. Um, and he was in furniture design uh, and like a completely like more right-brained approach to design and life and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I studied design with Stanford in our, my third year that I like everything kind of clicked where I was like, oh, you do like the process right before scientific process that like actually informs the scientific process and like helps create good things for people. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was really like a, we, we kind of hit it off from that point forward too, because we had a kind of a more mutual understanding of, of uh, like how to work together, I guess on things. So shout out 
Danny as well. Yeah. Uh, on furniture design, he built the logo and the long table here yeah. at Soundspace. Yeah, most of the, and the desk in the recording uh, yeah, studio, studio, like desk. everything that you see that's made out of wood here is probably built by him. So that's pretty tight. Yeah. I've I've always wanted to uh you know see somebody do some shit like that. Yeah, he's you know? impressive. His thesis was on um, mark making in wood. So, for example, like when you initially start sketching something, you might like make a bunch of lines that like are just kind of like small, short lines that kind of give you a curve of something or like starts to create a figure. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to get that same idea, but in, in wood. So he would use like chainsaw or use like various kinds of mark making tools um, to create sort of a wave to his furniture to make it look like it was like you had kind of sketched a furniture. Right. That's hard. So that's interesting. Yeah. I'd like to meet him. I want to talk to him. Yeah, no problem. So, you know, I got this thing and uh, like I could totally get into anything. I just I don't I just really love knowledge mm-hmm. and shit. So, I feel yep. like I could talk to you all oh, day. Oh, for sure. That, I, that love of ideas. And I remember all of this shit that you tell me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, hopefully. <laughs> I'm kind of also overloaded, but you know. All right, so boom. Y'all link up. Y'all live together. Um he came up with the idea for the studio? Uh no, so we um we just happened to be uh, you know, working together on various things. Um, and actually, uh, I, I kind of sat down at one, well, the main idea for the studio came out of, um, I was, uh, basically just right out of college and I was looking around and I had a bunch of music I had written throughout college and Mm. was just like, I really want to like, take a snapshot or like not forget any of this. Right. What do you do? You sing? Uh, I play guitar. So in, um, in between high school and college, I, I went to a semester at, uh, Berkeley college of music in Boston. Um, and then, uh, came back and pursued science as a specific degree path instead of music. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, that specific, like, um, the jazz knowledge and things like it really opened up my eyes to like, Oh, like music is, much more expansive than I was originally thinking, just having those experiences as well. And just mm-hmm. living in Boston for th- that amount of time was super eye-opening as well. What do you listen to? Um, mainly, for me, I like alternative music, mm-hmm. um, which is a like the broadest possible category. Um, but it's stuff like... Uh, like... Um, I I tend towards like alternative pop in such a way where it's like pop music is like neurologically kind of like dopamine, um, Mm -hmm. where you'll like, you, you can predict what the music is going to do. And then when it does it, then you get a dopamine hit. So it's like simple melodies, simplifying things and getting to a point where it's just like, like it, you just love it. And that's why it becomes popular. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that mixed like that concept, but taken a step back to a point where, um, everything is still skill based and like rather than necess- like uh, like a and I don't not to disparage like digital skills like I was for example, just about to right? say yeah, yeah so that's the big difference between yeah. digital music and people who mm-hmm. yeah and that for me I just I respect instrumentation a ton and like it's more so now I look at more composition than anything right mm-hmm. so like an interesting composition in a pop song is what really gets me and that's where um, I think alt pop does really really well because it's typically like pop but then they take like some elements and make it like very interesting from a musical perspective. Right? Give me a few artists. Um, I think, uh, well, I think about something like Woodkid when I say that, right? Mm-hmm. So like, and again, um, 
Woodkid's like he's a guitarist who just stands up in front of an orchestra and does his thing and sings, right? That's fine. Um, but that full orchestra behind him is like a drum line and all of these like like the way that his music comes across, mm-hmm. I, I would say, is very alternative because it's not like a like this is his genre, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like he kind of is genre defining, which makes a lot of alt kind of feel that way, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like yeah, you can't really place him anywhere because he's like singing over an entire orchestra and like is and it's all done live right yeah and so it's stuff like that where you're like it's an experience of a performance but also like that concept in his head was just like we can make this sound good right yeah uh, i like that's that. tough so so boom you with you with your roommate you got the you, you're making music mm-hmm. uh you said you wanted to find ways to capture yep uh, and 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 then what where, where are we at so what, what was the original idea for this <laughs> yeah that's... and why this location Yep. So um, the first thing that happened was uh, I was just I wanted to record, and that was that was as simple as it could be, right? Um, and I was just out of college. I started looking around. I co- I started calling studios. I started looking at rates and tried to trying to figure out like how to budget for stuff. Um, and it was just so expensive, and I just could not figure out. Like I was like, oh, okay, well, what's my alternative? Like I obviously can't go right into a studio right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like what, what type can of I, prices what were can you I do? Getting? Not to sorry to cut you. No, off. you're good. So on average, I was seeing like sixty dollars an hour um, as like a basic idea, but that is sometimes taken to like um, like a two hour block minimum and stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's other components that compound upon that, and that's not to say that every studio is that way, um, but it's just that for my like budgetary reasons I was having a lot of trouble finding out how to get started right um and as I was doing that um I was I was basically like okay well I I did financial models for this moon base for example right so I was like sitting there and I was like okay well how do I like what if there's a different way that we could share a space and like what does the current space look like why is it so expensive right um, and so as we started looking into that, uh, the basic info that I found was that um, the streaming era essentially was sort of this interesting new era that we've been in where there's been Spotify and you, you can do your own distribution as an artist and it moved. Um, the entrepreneurship of the past was essentially an artist would um, go out, play their music at a bunch of shows that they possibly could get picked up by a label at. And then they would sign a shitty contract with the label where they get like a very small amount of the profits, but they get all the studio time paid for. Right. Um, then you'd go into a studio and then you'd just work on your craft and then you'd produce some kind of a record. And then this, this, the label was essentially like printing CDs or records at like a very small price point, And then they were selling them for $15 a pop. Right. Um, so there was this huge profit margin that was kind of like feeding a lot of the music industry. Uh, and then a lot of like streaming and modern technology and things that allowed other people to start on the distribution pathways and all these other components. And that's not to say there aren't big labels today, but that enabled a lot more independent entrepreneurial artists, right? Um, Such as myself. Exactly. And so what happened is you had those artists who were now like who previously were sitting in the studio for uh, like years, right? Um, now they had to move to, you know, either home studios or like where there's no, essentially I was seeing this, this gap where there was no like modern physical space that was matching the modern like distribution and model of streaming. Right. So like the, the studios and things like that hadn't quite been updated to the same level of innovation as like the way that we were distributing the music. Right. 
So I see the correlation, but not really. Mm -hmm. I mean, just because like you know the 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 way the music gets created and how it's and how it's delivered, it changes all the time. You know For what sure. I mean? Uh, we go from shit when when shit was records and and you get a single that's on a record and you you go into DJs and you trying to get them to play your you, just your record. You know what I mean? But then you get to uh, shit, man. CDs and shit, burning CDs and, and LimeWire. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that was fucking up the game. Napster and shit back in the day. You yep. know, you, you get the, when the iPhone, I mean, iPod and the fucking Zooms were out. You feel me? That's more my time. When, yep. when you, you know, CDs become obsolete, you yep. know. But then you get to where now it's just like, yeah, uh, the middleman is, it doesn't need to be existing. And also, like, the label doesn't need to be existing. And I think that's further, that's past after the music is created. You know what I mean? Just mm -hmm. because like uh you know let's say like no the, once the album is out you know well now i don't need somebody to tell me what they can get me honestly they don't give a fuck about what they can make for an artist you know what i mean they're not, they're waiting for somebody to have their own fan base already at mm -hmm. this point you know what i mean like yeah. they're they're waiting to give their resources to somebody who's already gotten the work done because mm -hmm. it's possible you know yep uh, so, so i guess the better way to put this would be that um it takes a great deal of investment to make an artist yeah. right um and you can either go find people who will give you that investment or you can start investing in yourself right there we go yeah and so i wanted to see if you're going to invest in yourself um i want to lower the barriers you're going to come across when you're starting like that right i like that and so for me it was um i was encountering a ton of those barriers um, and I wanted to say, okay, what kind of thing can I do to create a space that you you don't encounter as many of those things, right? Yeah. And so something where I could come in and, you know, one of the big barriers for me was I can't afford to go to the studio. I can't, like, what are my alternatives? I could purchase a studio over time, right? Like I could just start buying an interface and start like kind of doing what I need to do. Um, but that's going to take a ton of money but it's also going to take a ton of like mind, like learning, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to learn to become an engineer now in order to like do what I need to do. Um, and like for me, it was, I can play guitar and I have a bunch of songs ready to go. And it's just this premium in order for me to like even just get something recorded. Right. Mm. Um, and so I, I wanted to invest in myself, but at the same time, like I wanted to start that day um, and I wanted to see like, okay, well, is there a way that I could go become a professional artist if that was the path I was going to choose right now? Right. Um, and then I started to open my eyes to people like, okay, if you're coming out of, for example, high school, right. Um, and you're, you're turning 18 and, or you're 18 and turning 19, you're moving out and you're starting to pursue a career path. Um, I wanted to say, how can you move directly into a musical career path and start to work on that craft in some capacity? Um, rather than like, okay, I need to work at Taco Bell for, you know, three years in order to raise enough money to do my first album and then I'll start from there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, like, because you're going from an area where maybe you're in a school or maybe like you have these resources and then the moment that you graduate, you're kind of like, here's the real world right mm -hmm. and then there's just no more respect for music i feel like after that for right? sure i mean shit once once you get burnt out and you're trying and trying and you know eventually you're just like you know fuck it i mean i know so many people who gave up after the first year mm -hmm. even and, and a big part of that was probably because they spent that whole first year getting the best studio possible and they yeah. had to sit there and stare at it like 
yep. what the fuck do I do now? <laughs> They're like, I made 500 for FL Studios, mm-hmm. got this fucking Mac, and best mic and all this shit, just built this fucking studio, and I don't know how to use anything. And then they start begging all their friends that make shit to come to the studio. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like... I mean, and and honestly, yeah, that shit can burn you out. You just be like, you know what, fuck it, I don't even feel like doing this shit no more. Mm-hmm. I mean, luckily, you know, like for me, I I like I like learning. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's like, fuck it, I've, I I learned how to produce, learn how to mix, learn how to record myself, uh, and. and that's just me, you know what I mean? But For also, sure. I don't like learning new shit after I spent all these years learning one thing. So I'm on this program that I don't like anymore, but I don't want to use anything different because yep. I'm not I'm not too old to be trying to learn shit like that oh, over yeah. But uh, all right, so boom. I think um, one important component here too is that like when we got started, um, we, were, we were looking at like, okay, where are these kinds of spaces? Do they exist? How do we get started? And I think you asked before, like, why this location yeah, and all these kinds of things. So after you come up with an idea, the first thing that I usually do is go out and talk with as many people as I can about it. And mm-hmm. so before I even met Kyle or anything, I was like, okay, well, I have a cool financial model that like it, it appears to work if you go through the membership side of things. And if you're like, if it's a shared space and it works like this, I had like a very basic mental model and like a full spreadsheet of like, okay, it can work. Right. Um, and then the next idea was, okay, well, is this actually solving a problem or is it just me experiencing this? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as you go out and talk to people, you get an idea of, okay, what are the problems that are being experienced and how can you potentially solve those problems for people? And is this something that might work? Right. Um, and so the things that we found out as we were walking around and like hosting small conferences here and there and just talking with as many people as we could across our network, Um, it was, yeah, we found that, uh, there were three major areas that were kind of, uh, lacking in a lot of ways, right. Or that people needed in order to be successful as they were getting started. Um, and that was, uh, somewhere to record, which is obvious, like, right. Like a affordable ability, like everything we've been talking about so far. Um, but then there was uh, space and uh, then the same kind of thing for rehearsal. So making sure you could practice so you could go into a studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next one was just connect, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea of how can you, uh, there's pockets of people everywhere across the city. How can you find those pockets or like talk with those people and get into those rooms like you're talking about too, For right? sure. And, and I will say, you know, there are some good studios out here. I mean, because uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of rappers and I know, I mean, they're not all making shit in their bedroom you know what i mean like uh and so i know there's like um you know at least at least five different studios that i've heard of and been in you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. they got some good businesses going oh for uh, sure you know and and people that are like pretty loyal to those environments you know what i mean so uh and i'm not sure what it's like for like the homies and bands yep uh, which like that's why I, I think Soundspace is kind of unique just because y'all have the room you know where you can have you know meetings and shit and then this rehearsal space is nice and honestly when I first you know found out about this space it was uh, Stamps and I think it's Stamps and Serious uh, and, and Adam yeah yeah Adam Maddox and they had me in here and this room that we're in was just all glass and yep. you can see over there you know what I mean mm-hmm. uh, and and Grant was showing me I think we were in that room actually mm-hmm. the other one but Grant showed me how he was, you know, starting and building this room. He's like, yeah, I basically put this room on, like, inside of the room. Yep. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's like, you know, showing me, uh, um, 
that y'all that y'all got a it was like a sponsor type situation or something like that. So mm-hmm. so all right, boom. And I need you to just walk me through this. So sure. you know, my podcast is kind of like a you know I never want to use it for like gossip no. or like anything You're like good. that. Uh, I want it to be like motivational, but more just yeah for business minded people. And I want to mm-hmm. like you know let's get to the bottom like how how you start such a thing. So when you started this, uh, did did you have a budget already? Did you already have you know money set away? Uh, how did you how did you how did you find this place? Sure. And w- what did you have to put down? I mean, essentially, you got another house. Like, this is like another, like a separate apartment type shit. Like, y'all mm-hmm. pay rent for this spot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, how how did you start? Sure. So, um, it's all an evolution. And so, as you get started with anything, um, the thing that you have in your mind will probably die several times by the time you're actually through with it, right? Um, and so for us, it was starting at the beginning, having the idea of we ha- we want 15 rooms, we want <laughs> a bunch of spaces, and like we're going to keep fighting until we get that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was what we went around, we talked to people about, and we're like, here's a great model for this membership side of things, and then it works really, really well in this location, which is like a, a new build-out, a new kind of space, it's built for the artist. Um, and that was our original idea. And you're actually getting to the heart of some uh, some tensions that we had to break as we were going forward, right? Let's talk about it. And so the um, as we continued along that concept, the first thing that happened was we were talking with investors. We were talking with people all, over, all across the city about this great idea we were having. Um, we got about 300 people to pre-register for memberships, by the way. So as we were just talking with people, they said, yeah, I'll fill out a quick form and I'll uh, like um, sign me up for this membership for when I get started, right? How do you find investors? Um, investors are, they're all over the place. You just have to look for things like venture capital and it, it really is just kind of talk to a bunch of people and mm. like you, there are ways to apply for pitching. Um, in Indiana in particular, I would suggest something like Elevate Ventures and like Elevate Nexus and all of their subsequent programs that are there. Mm. Um, there are angel investment groups that are like there as well. Uh, if you Google venture capital Indianapolis, um, you'll find a lot of those are like the top search results as well. Really? Um, and those are those are always there are always people who are willing to hear you out and like work on stuff. But the, um, when you're getting into those kind of environments, um, they are strict and rigorous and they have a very formulaic way of looking at things so you have to make sure that you're like going at it with the right mindset as well though you're over so. here acting like you don't got no damn managerial type of uh attributes or something <laughs> <laughs> started a whole business right in front of us all right so look uh Boom! You get the angel investor situations. You so, reach out to all these people. Let's yeah, keep we going. actually. So we we actually were only talking with them, and then we were bringing them over to, uh, to essentially a warehouse that was just over here. And we the first place was. Sorry, I need to back up just a moment. So the, when we initially talked to people and figured out Connect, Rehearse, Record, right? Like back when we did the research and started talking with a bunch of people, one of the questions we asked would be, was where should it be. Um, and th- it was overwhelmingly like in the center of Indianapolis. So mm-hmm. as close to the center as you can get. Um, and as we were talking with people, the first like person who like hit us back up was Larry Jones, who owns this whole industrial complex. Um, and so he actually reached out and was like, hey, um, I'm building a venue and uh, I need somebody to manage that venue. And he was like, I hear you guys are talking about music. Is this something that you'd be interested in? Uh, and so we said... Yes. 
but also, <laughs> mm-hmm. here's the thing that we're thinking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that sort of started this initial conversational partnership where we could bring people here and just start talking about that. But we were just taking them over to this empty warehouse space and saying, here's the big vision. Right? Yeah, no, when, um, when and, Kyle right. took me over there yep. and, and, and explained it all yep. to me, I was like, you know what, that's fucking, I want to be a part of that. Yep now yeah <laughs> we were going here's this explanation give we us need a, give us a million dollars yeah please. we need a million dollars right <laughs> so like that was that was the big part that's like well let me know when you have more stuff going on right mm-hmm. um so the big a big issue with like the midwest when it comes to this kind of stuff is everybody is follow-on capital um and we're incredibly risk averse and so whenever like in in comparison to the coasts where you like if you go to the coasts for money um you'll typically find more early stage capital mm-hmm. um but but here it's all follow on and you have to kind of find somebody who will put up initial capital in order to like get any follow on. Um, and you know what I, uh, just to add on, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you, I'm in the hip hop, uh, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, the people with the money are very, very hesitant to give it to us. Yep. Um, it's a Midwest thing, I it's, think. It, no, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it's, at some point, I would like it addressed and fixed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because, you know what I mean? Let's say if, if if anything that I'm involved with, if it had to do with any other genre of music, we could get fucking beer for free and yeah. all type of shit. You feel me? We could yeah. have it going all day. Everybody would be interested. No one would give a fuck. You feel me? But, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as the, oh, oh, like it's a rap shit, uh, oh, yeah. you me, like they're here's, gonna... here's a bit of shittiness. Um, yeah. If you're going for a uh, some kind of insurance on an event, for example, mm-hmm. um, if you are rock, um, let's say it'll be fifty dollars, right? For whatever, like just a, an arbitrary price here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are pop, it'll be fifty dollars. If you are heavy metal, it will be five hundred dollars, and if you are rap and hip hop, it will be five hundred dollars. So it's because of the the it's types crazy. of I guess people and the types of things happening at these shows mm-hmm. that I don't know what it is about that, but like every time we have to talk with people about the insurance thing, like it's not us doing that. It's mm-hmm. just like everybody you would go to insuring a show is going yeah, to the, have that same the thing. The air quotes you have over here, Ricky, they say risk assessment. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. which is just like, kiss my ass. yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're going to change somebody out here with some, with, with a heart and with some money and some fucking actual, you feel me? Uh, like if, come on, bro, let's get the fuck into 2021 and let's lot, stop being weird. You know, so a lot of, a couple of our advisors that have, you know, we've grown really close with have talked about that need though, for that, like, they are out of touch and that money is out of touch and there needs to be people in between that have that uh, ability to communicate to and from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that like, hey, yo, your your 10x risk assessment is fucked respectfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> And they don't even have that conversation. And, right? that's, and that's so. not to say that not like all people aren't trying to get better at those things too. Like there are some people in capital that are like, are aware of that as an issue and are like trying to move it in that direction. I believe it. Um, but it's like, again, uh, seeing a problem and then resolving the problem are two very different tasks. Right. For sure. so. Yeah. And you know, I know one person can't be Superman, you know? Yeah. Uh, so okay. Our, our story though, yeah, the story, um, sorry. Was, no, you're good. So the, we were initially like, so now, you know, we, 
you know, partner with Larry and we're just bringing people into an empty warehouse and he, uh, he owned the Murphy building before he bought here. So he was, he was there when like the hi-fi was going in and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, which is definitely why we've been working with him pretty heavily to make sure that like the sound bleed throughout the Murphy from places like the Mm hi-fi, he learned his lesson on that one. And now we're trying to make sure that we can architecturally build the right kind of system to have a venue next to a space like this and Mm -hmm. have it not bleed heavily in that way. Right. Yeah. Um, and so bringing people to an empty warehouse, trying to pitch them on a million dollars, isn't going super hot. Right. Mm. Um, and the, uh, the main reasons that we're starting to hear back are, um, all the people who would invest in tech, uh, don't want to invest in drywall and all the people who would say, yeah, let's build a space, um, are like not interested in the tech side of things. Right. Um, and so when you get started with, uh, and, and Indianapolis is overwhelmingly like a tech startup kind of place, right? It's like Silicon something. I'm sure they added a name to it. It's Silicon Prairie, I think is whatever. Um, I know it's, yeah. <laughs> I wish uh, I'd never uh, heard that. Yeah, That's awesome. <laughs> um, but the, uh, so the main thing though is like, uh, we, we overwhelmingly, as you're getting started with something, you have to confront brutal facts, right? And so we were going around and pitching and the money that we were able to receive from that, we had one investor that we were able to bring on and it was Tamika Catchings. Um, and she believed in us. She was some initial capital and she's the reason that we have this built out today and are a profitable business and we're able out. to do what we needed to do, mm-hmm. right? Um, and she's been amazing. And like, I, <laughs> the Midwest needs more people like her, right? Yes. Um, and so that Absolutely. that idea anywhere and, could use more people like her. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was able to get us off the ground in terms of getting record started, getting literally everything. And from that point forward, we were able to carry ourselves on our own, on our own ability to bootstrap, right? Now, do you so, owe? Do you have to pay her back? Uh, well, she's an investor, right? So mm-hmm. when you take on investment capital, the moment you do that, you're beholden to those people, mm-hmm. which is what brings us to kind of our next point of saying that like our main goals um, that we, we realized were we want to make music more accessible to everybody. Um, and we also are starting here in Indianapolis and understand that there are like specific things to the scene here that we'd love to give back to and develop. Right. And so those two things are um, mission statements and they don't necessarily mean that that's like the profit model. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when your mission conflicts with your profit in some capacity at all, even though like they don't have to, um, the moment you bring on investors who are more like profit driven, then you start to get away from the mission and towards the profit. Right. Yeah. Um, and so for us, it was okay. Well, we see that that's going to be an issue. And we also see that this is like a huge problem where, um, you know, the space is an issue. We're trying to find specific funding for that now. And so we went, we underwent this huge pivot, um, where, our advisors and everybody we were talking to were like, oh, well, you have a model that you strung together with sort of a low-code backend and that it just works for everybody here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what if you just take that, move it completely into technology, and then just try and get that to as many people as possible? Because the thing we realized is that, like you're saying, these studios already exist. Like these these spaces are already here. We're not trying to like outcompete them. What we're trying to do is trying to make them run more efficiently and help them to help more people to access them on a regular basis, right? So we want to increase the accessibility of these kinds of spaces all across the world. 
And our goal is in order to be the best at accessibility to music spaces like that, um, we moved that tech completely out, like we separated the business, right? And so the new, that that space, the 15 spaces that we were talking about building, all those developments, um, we felt was better suited as a nonprofit focused on Indianapolis. And the reason it's a nonprofit is any profit, it's designed as a for-profit, right? Like, mm -hmm. so it's going to produce profit, but the reason it's a nonprofit is because any profits that are generated by the system that would be going in over here um, in the in that long term could generate an endowment that if you're able to uh, bring equitable people into focus into the the leadership of that can then make sure that that money is going back into the scene right i mean yeah that's if you're going to be a part of the scene you know mm -hmm. what i mean I'm, i i will not support anybody who's willing to just take all you know exactly, what i mean right. yeah. like fuck that bro you feel me exactly yeah. so our, our goal is essentially to provide an economic engine to music in the city in a place where were disenfranchised to the point of the like there are big endowments across the city that we have to constantly apply for and pander to in order to get money into the arts right and it's just it's something where like every grant and not to say that they're like not doing great work or anything like that it's just that like we'd like to try and see is there a way that we can empower artists in such a way that you can continually feed upon some kind of a system that raises everybody yeah right? th those other foundations and grants they aren't direct feedback loops from yeah. the art right and from the musicians and and to your point earlier right it's really important i want to touch on is that we're talking about the the profit and the mission and and those things not conflicting and so at the point that you know what we're going to scale this software that's rooted in a mission. We might take profit driven investment, but that profit is rooted in like us achieving that mission to the fullest, right? To spread that technology to as many, make as many spaces, professional music spaces accessible by using software as a smarter tool. Yeah. And then I think that's, it's a, but, we have to kind of put a hard line yeah. between for profit and nonprofit now though. And so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big, and I know, yeah. you know, some things are strategic, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, and, and I do understand, you know, the different levels and such, but I know it, it is a really big, uh, divide if you mm. really want to think about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Now, uh, question to both of you guys is, you know, what what are you doing to increase your knowledge on the scene that you're servicing? You know what I mean? Like, how like have you done much research on the uh, different artists in the community and, and, and such, or the people who have driven it to get it to where it's at to this point for it yeah. to even be a culture? Yeah, so I, I can definitely speak to that in the early days, like from that communication standpoint, while we were going out and getting feedback from as many artists as we could, we wanted that you know, that representation to be a true representation. And so the, to the best that we did was, I think one of the best things we did early on was reaching out to this uh, team of, we call them artist reps at the time, but they were speaking for their, you know, for their communities and, and helping gather f information and f feedback from them while they were able to speak like from us and, and to help just like educate and flesh out the idea of like what we were trying to do. So you know, th those were all across all different genres, backgrounds, um, ethnicities, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And we, for us, it was really important to get that feedback, right? Because, like, you don't want to build the thing that doesn't service the aim. Like, a great feedback we got early on was, like, Joshua Thompson walked in one day and was like, yeah, if you don't have a real piano in here, like, in the big space, like, it isn't going to, like, serve my community. I was, we were like, oh, shit, he's right. 
<laughs> and like just one of those things, right? Of like learning through being willing to take that feedback. So and also like and not to cut you off, but like I, you know, am pretty hip hop, jazz, uh, punk, rock shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, like one day I, th- this man was in here and he, you know, pulled up with his guitar, older guy, and he's like getting ready to make some rock songs. But then like somebody, th- this lady was in there one day and she's like doing this like opera vocals. You know what I mean? And yeah. I was like, damn, like, all right, yeah, it's bigger than than rap, of course. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. it's like, but those are the type of cultures that, you know, subcultures that I'm not tapped in with at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, hip-hop is like one of the biggest ever and in yeah. this city to me. You know what right. I mean? So it's like, it's easy to get kind of consumed in with it. But, you know what I mean? I feel like you're not your job in particular because, you know, this is your job, but that is a big part of your job is to kind of know what's going on with all of those. And I just don't know, you know, if I would be up to that challenge (laughs) and if y'all take it up. It takes a village for sure. And like, you know, it's like you've got people, people on the team, uh, like Aaron Hogan, Joel Laver, like sleepy Floyd been around since sleepy. I love you. Yeah. Much love (laughs) to you sleep. (laughs) Miss you, bro. Um, yeah, but like, you know, people that have been around the scene for a couple decades and, and able to help kind of speak to that and, and educate us, right? Like, man, and I've, shit, I've probably been to 100 shows in the past year and a half, two years, even. I mean, uh, even with everything that's gone on. So, um, yeah, just trying to like, it's a constant process, man. I, I find like we learn about incredible artists and people in the scene every day. Like, it's so such an intricate web and so like just being open to that and like yeah exactly providing a spot where it can all like stitch together (laughs) okay so boom when you got the place Mm -hmm. right uh how did you build it because y'all know y'all put this shit together you know with with your team yourselves right y'all didn't like hire a bunch of motherfuckers to do it uh yeah Yeah, i can i can let's talk about that Yeah. And also I want to know like cuz uh, when Grant was showing me uh like just like the the padding and shit and mm-hmm. like the stuff like that and he was showing me like that y'all were getting it from a particular or Alex. Uh, yeah. yeah. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that as well. Yeah, so if you know. Absolutely, yeah. man. So, you know, we we had the conversation with Larry and and as the build out for the longer space was obvious that construction and, and investment was going to take some time, we're like, what can we do now? And he was able, gracious enough to let us retrofit this office space here in the CCIC that's now Soundspace Beta. And so the first step was we, we signed that lease. And instead of having meetings in coffee shops and, and asking people questions at, at events and shows, we were we had an office. And, and we're like, okay, so what can we do with these spaces that are in here? And this office, right, you you rehearsed it and it was just an office with windows on the wall. And mm-hmm. um you, yeah, y'all were literally the first people in here. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, and we were like, okay, um, you know, in Ricky's spirit of, of lean and to use his uh, startup terminology that, okay, the, the easiest thing we can do, the first resource we can provide is a rehearsal room. So let's get that up and going. It's easier than getting a whole studio launched. And, and uh, okay, how do we do that? We need gear and we need sound isolation. So Oralex is local sound, like they they distribute internationally, but they're based here out of Fishers. Uh, we hit them up and we're like, hey, we got this idea for the long term. We've got this big space planned. We want to like source as much stuff locally as possible. But right now we need it for this one room to test the concept. And so they agreed to co-market. Uh, Kevin Booth was instrumental in that relationship up there. And they agreed to do some co-marketing with us. We helped them with some stuff. You know, they've, they've got some marketing here throughout the space sprinkled in um and 
you know, they were, <laughs> they sent it down on a truck and, and we grant Aaron and all the rest of us, some volunteers, everybody got to work, um, building this space out and Jamie Jackson, shout out Jamie speaking of miss so did, you. Did everybody <laughs> just already know how to, how to do it? Hell Not no. at all. <laughs> because like what, what resources did you use to figure out what the fuck you were, you we, were doing? Just fucking um, manuals. And Orlex YouTube? actually doesn't have any specific resources like you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't like an, like, like a, like when you get furniture and you can like yeah, look at a one, there's nothing like thing. that. So, um, so in the same way that if you were to go to a restaurant and say, if I work here for the next, like for today, can I eat a meal tonight? Mm-hmm. Um, we basically made the same deal with Orlex and we said, if we create all of the videos of how to put this shit together, Will you just give it to us? <laughs> that's fire. Um, and so we were able to basically. <laughs> what the fuck? That's fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that that's that's the spirit of bootstrapping. And so that's what people like. I don't think anybody's been able to see that component of what we've done here. But like every single component is that. Mm-hmm. So we've like worked in all of these other different companies for various things. And then like in exchange have been able to trade of equal value and make sure that accounting is all on like accurate for everything mm-hmm. um that's and how i try to live my life exactly right yeah and so all of these various service trades we were able to develop that way so the next thing is now we have a bunch of materials and now we have to just get it done right mm-hmm. and so we traded a number of different equitable shares things like and like brought the whole team together in such a way that we were able to like get the whole thing built out early with the manpower and the passion blood sweat and tears of just people who wanted to see this be a good space for people to make yeah. music so so. It was all all volunteers that just understood they'd have a piece of the pie mm-hmm. at the end for a long, long time. Yeah, and so that um, with that hard divide though, now where it's like Indianapolis centric, creating some kind of an economic model for focusing on here in the city. Um, th- that that's a hard divide from the for-profit tech, which is now enabling any given space. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that there's like a number of different studios in town that are doing great stuff and everything like that. My thing is they might function right now from noon to midnight, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what I want to do is help them make money on, mi- on midnight to noon. And I want to be able to just have them like set it up and have it go. Right. And so I want them to be able to use the same model we use, um, and have it just kind of go ahead and make it accessible for everybody. Um, and then I want people who are purchasing a membership to be able to book anywhere from one location, just one application. So Mm -hmm. you can think about like our tech primarily as something like an Airbnb for music, right? Um, but there's other components on there that start to complicate it. Like we want to have one membership fee as opposed to like an Airbnb, you would book an individual location. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that one membership fee, we add elements of planet fitness, like a gym and we add elements of class pass and other startup. Um, and there's these components that when you put them all together, that's the, that's probably the simplest way I can describe the solution that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, But right now we're going around signing on other studios and just saying, here's what we have coming out. Are you interested at all? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've had a lot of overwhelming support for that as well, for just people who have reached out to us and like it really, it made us move in that direction. Yeah. So so just like the pre-signing of membership for the space and that given us the catalyst to be like, okay, we want this. Like we're at that same stage with the technology where, Mm -hmm. A lot of people were like, hey, we, we'd be interested in this. Or they've hit us up over these last couple of years. Let's talk about the tech because yeah, sure. I'm big on tech. Oh, yeah. I'm huge uh, on 
I mean, I guess I'm big on a lot of shit. Yeah. Very, very. <laughs> See, yeah, yeah, talking you know, crypto and yeah. tech stuff uh, all yeah, the time. Uh, look, hey, look, I'm very bullish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, but yeah. So look, uh, as far as the tech goes, um, let, let's explain. I mean, sure. your model on that originally, because, um, you know, and and I, I, I like the concept of the 24 hour thing. Uh, it bugs the hell out of me though, because <laughs> you, you, I mean, I don't trust anybody. Yeah. And I know, you know, yeah. you, you guys are running into. Uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit is just you know I mean you, people that you can't trust you know yeah. there's just people that I've seen sleeping in this motherfucker mm-hmm. uh, people steal from this motherfucker that's uh, uh, that sounds based beta for you yeah so. you know what I mean but like <laughs> all learning uh, <laughs> yeah uh, you know and yeah I mean something I mean you're dealing with human beings what are you mm-hmm. gonna do but the concept is incredible and I really love that you explained it like B and B and fucking Planet Fitness and shit like that like yep. you 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 whatever you're up here you know mm-hmm. we're on, so based Basically, uh, not musical Airbnb like you can sleep here though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so, boom. When you when you get down to uh, the tech standpoint, yep. Uh, what is, what all does that entail? Are you just speaking of you know the, the access and the and the website, the scheduling, um, but also you know what I mean? What's so special about the setup that you have for sure. record? Um, so there are a number of different memberships. So the idea behind beta right now is you have connect, rehearse, and record, um, mm-hmm. and there's produce in there, but it's basically record as well, right? Um, and so as we as we move in that direction, um, I want to see how can we maintain that experience for people in terms of being able to book. You have a membership for connect, rehearse, record, and you can book at a number of locations. So I'm starting from the consumer side because it's probably the simplest way to look at it. So you would log on to an application and then you would uh, designate a home studio where it would function like here where it's unlimited for and you just have a limit on the number of bookings you can have at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can go to an away location, which would be like, I want to book over at a different studio in town for these hours, right? Um, so anybody who's running our, applic- our, our our system would be able to be on that application and say, this is a, sec- a secured system that what it does is when you click, I want to book there, um, it'll ping to security, which is number one here as well. You mentioned like Keezy login and stuff like that mm-hmm. is our security partner at Beta. Um, and so it would ping to the security, making sure that you have access during that particular period of time through that application. Um, and then otherwise it would... Um, make sure that the there's no scheduling system out there right now that currently has like a revolving credit system like that, right? So what it does is it makes sure that whatever um, whatever you're booking is going ahead and pinging all of the systems it needs to ping in order for the experience you're having right now at beta to be consistent across a number of locations. So that's the consumer side. Yeah. From a studio side, say you owned a studio, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I would do is I'm going to talk to you and say, okay, cool. Um, how does your current booking system work? Like you're, you're hourly, I'm assuming, and you're working on it from like people book maybe four hours here, 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 here and there. Um, maybe you only allow them to book, like I mentioned, from noon to midnight, right? Um, and so whenever people do book, you might show up, anything like that. What I would suggest would be saying, okay, from midnight to noon, and if you want to during any other period of, of time where you'd allow for bookings to happen, um, you could open up a sound space. And then what we do is we directly consult with you to see what gear you're comfortable with, like other people using, what gear you need security-wise. And we make sure that we, we basically help you transform your space into the optimal membership institution the same way we've done here. Um, but we make sure that you can still run your business model how you'd like to run it. It's like it's a complementary business model that just helps you get more bookings and make more money. Nice. 
Mm-hmm. Let's talk about let's talk about um, the artist experience for sure uh, from beginning to end. So let's say me. All right. Yep. Boom. Because I need y'all to have a podcast space at some point. It would be sick. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and I mean, yeah, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I let's talk about it. Yeah. But uh, um, you know, let's say boom. I'm I'm in a band and I make music and I produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a, and I'm in a gang, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna, so we're okay. gonna do meetings and shit, you know, or something. Uh, yep. Uh, what do we do to to start that experience? I go to your website. Yep. So the cool part is, um, I I'm gonna be a little bit securitous, but I do want to. An- I'm gonna answer your question right after I explain one more thing. Cool. Um, the uh, the the way that you would begin this experience is, um. Essentially, when you go, I have to explain that we're all selling the same membership across all of these institutions. So even though it is just you, like you are only paying for one membership and you would join essentially SoundSpace and then on your phone, you would designate your home studio. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can choose an, an option to not have a home studio and only go to a bunch of different ones if you want to try a bunch out. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's stuff like that where um, essentially as a consumer, as the person using the app, as, a, as an artist, um, you would just sign up for a membership with SoundSpace, um, which is just the technology on your phone. And then you would be able to designate where you'd like to book regularly. And that will go ahead and ping them and let them know that they have a new member. Um, and then the studio makes all of the money from your memberships and that you basically are now their, their member, but you're booking through the SoundSpace system, right? Mm-hmm. So the two places... Uh, is this an idea or is this something that you've already started to work on? So this is something that, this is the beta test for that. Okay. And then we're just about to go into a fundraising round in order to like build out the actual system I'm talking about. Yeah, so, got it. Um, so we're, we're very close. It's just more so like we already have those locations we need to move into and we're looking for more um and then we'll be going like we'll go ahead and roll it out and as, as soon as we can right yeah um but you'd be able to and, and it is very consumer centric so it's like making sure that the artist experience is the best possible experience and that you're getting the accessibility that you need right so let's start it off so when you sign up yep. uh, for a sound space membership yep how much is it um, so we're going to try and maintain similar prices to here, which yeah. means right now we have connect at $20 a month. We have rehearse at 80 and we have record at 150. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I mean, we're a startup. It might swing in one direction or the other. There might be new memberships. I can't like promise anything. Yeah, because yeah. Let's just talk about beta. Right? Let's talk about what yep. we got going on now. Sure, for sure. So th- those are our prices here at beta. Um, and as we continue on into the main membership, it would be a very similar thing, mm-hmm. right? So you'd be probably similar prices. And then um, whenever you would make a booking, uh, essentially what we have is a, a credit system. So within that, like you would pay your membership fee and that's just the set amount. And then whenever you're booking, it would say, okay, maybe you have three booking credits at your home location, which means concurrently on their calendar, you can have three bookings at a time. And then when you're finished with one, you can book again, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the idea is um, the idea is that you share the calendar, but that's not to say like you can just go ahead and book like every Sunday right away in all of for the next three months. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and that that would piss me off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, cause the biggest thing about it is, so I know. All right, so you sign up, mm-hmm. you pay, you got a monthly fee, and then now we got to fight for this time on the calendar whereas like yeah like uh for this you know i had to schedule it maybe a couple weeks out Mm -hmm. uh, which is fine you know what i mean uh but 
you know, stopping me from being able to schedule every Friday for the yep. month. You know what I mean? Yeah. So a lot somebody of else. a lot of people really want that like that ability to just schedule the same all the time in those kind of ways. And so what happens is at beta, we have very little number of rooms that we can do that with, right? Mm. But when you're on an application, there's going to be somewhere open <laughs> during that period of time, and the model exponentially grows as you increase the number of rooms. So for, for example, sure. the reason we were pitching with 10 to 15 was because you could have three bookings and you could book every Sunday in, in this month, right? For mm-hmm. or say you had four, for example, book every Sunday at the same time. You're just not going to be in the same room every time. Right. Yeah. So now you, you're accomplishing the same thing. It's just that like it, it, the model needs to be large enough for it to sustain that more of like a, everybody's comfortable kind of thing. Right. Boom. Um, and okay, so, so when you're a new member and mm-hmm. how do you do your onboarding? Cause you know, I know, uh, kind of stick people into, into the room for yep. let's say for record mm-hmm. let's talk about so, the, the first record member when they get in there you got uh, yeah. you got the computer everything set up y'all got the new record room now so it has mm-hmm. the booth in it and everything yeah. yep. uh but i know like all right me and my friends we bring our own laptops yeah you know mm-hmm. uh i know that was something that uh you told me originally like yeah we're not you know let's let's if you guys can get onto this what we have set up here that'd be better but we've been setting up our laptops <laughs> uh yeah. but like Let's say if I'm not one of those people, right. how do we use this, this space for record? Yeah, that's great. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about with those people. <laughs> Nobody here uses their laptops. Uh, <laughs> no, but we have set it up in a way that's, uh, again, like we try and be very user friendly. Like the whole point of the space is to bring that like professional quality studio and gear down to a usable experience and, and like let people into the sandbox, so to speak. So the box on the floor in the vocal booth channels one through eight are routed straight into the apollo eight channel uh one through eight you've got coming there out of the the xlrs on the board you can plug straight into the DAW. we label everything and we give everybody before that everybody gets an onboarding and gets shown how that signal flow works you know explain to them it just works like water and, and goes downstream so all the members they have their own like login and stuff like that no so we centralize it and it's kind of works like a school library does mm-hmm. right like that computer you can save stuff there you can bounce upload to your google drive and then at like the end of the day we we've put it to a spot where it resets so there's a folder where everybody can save stuff on that doesn't reset mm-hmm. but if you like you know if you just leave your your gift that you downloaded at lunch in the library on the school computer, right? It's, it's going to wipe at the end of the night. So, um, yeah, but we've got, you know, USB drives and, and stuff there, uh, ports available and basically any DAW, any plugin, um, at least in the huge native instruments bundle and the waves bundle, like there's, there's, we give them, give the, try and give the user as much choice as reasonably, you know, yeah. So let's say I like FL Studios and Omnisphere. Got it. Uh, I know. I know y'all got a fucking Moog in there. Yeah. The homie a was excited. Moog. He said, I got a fucking Moog, bro. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, what the fuck is a Moog? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, y'all, y'all got some good equipment. Y'all got good yeah. stuff. Uh, how did you know? I mean, you guys don't have musical background. I mean, Ricky, you do. You know what I mean? But how did y'all know which y'all were which y'all were buying and how you were gonna put it together? Team sure. members like Aaron and Grant and. Yeah. and 
just people like the other people on the team that have those decades of studio experience. Their mm. their observation was that um, the like the studio experiences and how they've been evolving was essentially in order to compete in the era of like I'm a label and I can just pay for all your studio time. Where do you want to go? Like what studio do you want to go to? Mm-hmm. Um, that was when studios had to compete with the level of equipment that they had, right? Mm-hmm. So they would go around and buy up a whole bunch of huge expensive things that made you feel awesome, right? Um, and then the problem was that now those things sit in those rooms and most of what recording has become has been technology enabled, right? So like you plug in your laptop because you have everything you need on your laptop. So yeah. like, and the, the hardware is really the part that you're needing. Mm. And that hardware, like we have the, like we, we narrowed it down to this is the best, simplest system you could be running with for the, the like what you need to be doing right now, right? Mm. Um, and so like you can think about us as like the optimal home studio setup. Um, with a treated room, making sure everything is great. And so since people are moving towards that kind of level of I can make music myself and distribute it myself, we want to just enable that group of people, right? Yeah, I like that. And I really do like the fact that you think about those people so much because, I mean, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. You feel me? I never never been to a studio until I came here. Mm-hmm. Never, and I still haven't recorded here. When I did, I set it up like I do at home. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Uh, and honestly, the only reason why I get sick of being at home is because uh, I don't got speakers. Yeah. Like, and I don't like want to annoy people. Yeah. Like, the homies, they just, just blast their shit, you know? Yep. But I don't do that shit. So when I come here, I'm like, okay, finally I can hear my shit loud and I can mix it better and shit like that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and yeah, so I like that. I appreciate it. Uh, and then I like how y'all moved the room because I remember for a while, yep. you know, you had the the the, uh, the what they call it the, just the issue of mm-hmm. the record room was right next to the rehearse room oh, yeah. so you couldn't book yeah. them both at the same time right right because you know you'd get bleeding yeah. yep. you know so we we constantly are listening for feedback like that and like understanding that there are problems um, which makes us understand better about the beta test to the point where if you're like comfortable in the beta then we can take those concepts that people are experiencing positive outcomes from and then start to apply them to other spaces and continue to learn and progress. So Great. someday you'll just be able to, like right now we do manual onboardings. Um, you know how when you use scooters like Bird or anything like that, there's sort of like a safety training video at the beginning or something mm-hmm. like that as well? Yeah. Um, it's like kind of, I put my phone back in my pocket. Yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> um, but like those, that same idea would be like you'll, you'll have the knowledge base there before you enter into any new room you're going into or anything like that as well yeah y'all physically so, y'all pull up and, mm-hmm. and help people i mean because yep. a lot of times people have their first time in here and no one's here yep mm-hmm. you know what i mean which is like uh <laughs> you know yeah. mm-hmm. uh and i shit i've had homies calling me like well, how, how the fuck you do this yep. like, shit, nigga. yeah I so we <laughs> our, our biggest thing is making sure that there's a support number and that's been something we've had a lot of feedback on too and so um right now you know we're actually looking for a facilities person to help us out as a little bit as well um and so right now we're we actively text people, make sure that we're communicating with them as best we can, but we are also a pretty small it, team. It goes through iterations, right? Like yeah. we relabeled the patch bay, we changed mm-hmm. some stuff up to make it more user friendly. Well, let's talk some, some more about that. Yeah. And we're getting kind of, you know, in depth. it's been an hour, <laughs> 25 minutes. I don't want to kill them, yeah, but <laughs> let's talk about uh, just a couple. All right. Two things I want to talk about. Actually, yeah, sure. the design. I really like um, 
you know, the lobby design and everything. Uh, I know y'all just added that little restaurant looking ass little situation. What's up with that? Um, that's not us. Okay, uh, all right, never mind. Just for <laughs> it's uh, we're in the same way. Remember how we partnered with Larry? Um, mm-hmm. this is another person who has partnered with Larry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since we're in this space and they're a long term partner that we'd like to continue working with, and they were in a tough spot, they needed to set something up in order to maintain their liquor license. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to make sure liquor license are goddamn expensive so um, we wanted to make sure they were going to be okay long term and so we just partnered with them here and there'll just be some smaller stuff going on there but it shouldn't impede the member experience like yeah, we've no, that cool. was our biggest like like hey red flag big wall like you can't impede our member experience yeah. right yeah. which so, resulted I mean, in shit, the construction like, girlfriend yeah. moves in she got cats or some shit exactly yeah. basically yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, and those cats are going to do tequila shots five yards away from you where you're doing vocals. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah. So they're, uh, the, all of their stuff is going to be set up outside, and uh, it's primarily um, how, like, Calvin Fletcher's was working during the pandemic, where mm-hmm. there would be, like, a booth set up where you could buy at the door, and then you could keep walking. Yeah. Um, that's the same idea here, is, like, there's room to just kind of lounge, but primarily everything will t- be taking place outside, and that's why we moved the, the actual recording room back behind two different door i think it's four doors now right yeah. into the actual isolation booth so um let's see uh who who d- designed the interior i like i really really like the, the design of the lobby the edison lights for sure the fucking uh the green you know what i mean yeah uh the flooring i don't know if it was already like this but no, i got you uh, i fuck with it yeah um i shout out to regine chastain who was somebody who um one of our original volunteers uh, who was working with us um you know is his wife and she had done professional design for larger companies and stores and things like that mm-hmm. um so we worked with her and she was just really really great about capturing the vision that we had um and the vision was uh we don't want to impede anything that's creativity like we don't want to impose upon you some kind of specific like feel we want you to feel like you're at home and you can just create right yeah so we tried to lean into the you know the architecture of the space the warehouse that that already exists the walls are white on purpose Mm -hmm. it's like us fade into the background right let the art and the creativity speak for itself which is partially but, why we have LEDs of all different colors and we don't really like like choose a color to go with our logo or our feeling or anything. It's mm-hmm. just yeah. we, we want to maintain the background and just enable everybody but to plants, do what they're already doing. Plants were important too. Yeah. Well, so when you uh, when you when you're making a business like this, you know, what I mean, and that stuff becomes, uh, you know, OK, well, we have a bunch of stuff, but we have to make it comfortable here. and We mm-hmm. have to get things like, oh, remember I was telling you, like, oh, we really need some tables to put our laptops on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Yep. Uh, like budget wise, you know, when you're working with an investor and such, you know, uh, were, did you already have a cap that you haven't met yet or did you already meet it and then you need it more or like? Um we were able to take that initial investment and turn it into a full-fledged functioning business that, like, at the moment does not need further investment in order to maintain itself, which is an incredible weight off of the shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, it's just about understanding that there's a return that needs to happen to that investor, which is 
always what you do when you're taking on capital. Mm -hmm. Um, But we still have an evolved vision now, right? So we're headed towards technology. We're headed towards like this developmental pathway um, that that return we think we could make larger and larger as we head down that pathway, right? Do you have a time limit? Like, is there like a time frame as far as return? Um, The average return for investments in general is about a seven-year hold. So if you're going to make an angel investment, you should expect something within a seven-year period. The deal we made was to start some kind of a dividend or some kind of a payout after somewhere around a three-year period. Um, But there's uh, like we're not directly beholden to those things as well. We're, I mean people who buy in are now shareholders in your company, right? And, and the, the best thing you can do is to make sure that those shareholders are taken care of as you're moving forward, so. I thought you were asking Draco about if we had like a timeline, like a time limit for the whole oh. vision. No, I, th- I think you answered well, it, but I, mean, I was yeah, like, shit, answered. I do. Like- <laughs> <laughs> well, and then also like you guys are, uh, you know, how, how are you guys making money off? I mean, I'm not trying to get all in your business. No, you're good. But I know y'all said, you know, that, that ultimately everyone's doing everyone's doing volunteer work here. Yep. And, you know, you guys are putting in a lot of work for it. Yeah. Uh, when, do you, when does the vision, you know, give you, pay y'all off? You I'll, know what sure, I mean? I'll answer for me and then let him answer for the company. And then, uh, and then <laughs> what do you do in your spare time to get money? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so for me, I, um, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, we say volunteering, but volunteering up front and, you know, in exchange for an expectation of that same payout dividend on the back end, right? Like, so it's not like 100% volunteerism, right? But we have equity shares in the company, um, you know, relative to the amount of work that you put in um, over the course of these early stages of the startup, right? So whatever you put in as a founder, you get back as as a founder, you know, when that, when that day comes. Um, so for me, I, I've, I've been that way with Soundspace all along. Um, I just early on days, like I did what I had to do to make ends meet. Um, just (laughs) shout out to half. I mean, a good portion of us have been homeless several times because of this as well. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's belief in that vision and what you're building, right? Like I wouldn't have had it any other way. And, um, then a few months ago, we got to the point where, you know, the business here at beta sustains itself. and, And the last, like, employee role that I was filling here within like as as it relates specifically to Soundspace Beta, right? And making the current business exist. Uh we were able to hire our first full time employee, uh our membership director, Jay. She's awesome. Um she singer, is cool. Yeah, singer songwriter here locally. Um and uh just somebody that we you know we knew would like treat our people well and is one of our people. So um that was an opportunity for me to transition and put some time elsewhere. So I took a job working for a company called rock, paper, scissors, and it's a PR firm that works in music technology. So for me, it's like an opportunity to be at the intersections of communication and music tech and all the things that I want to be. And I have like a great network and mentor and people there that are like, it's an opportunity for me to like scout ahead. Right. Like, um, these are very similar rooms that like I'm, fully intend to be in with Soundspace in, in a couple of years, mm-hmm. maybe sooner. Uh, so to be able to under, start understanding that industry on a whole other level, for me, I'm like, I'm to your point earlier, right? I'm, I'm learning. I'm going there to learn. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I'm clocking in to learn every, every day. So that's been cool for me uh, these past few months. I've uh, been there like four or five months now, and, and that's just open my eyes to a whole other world of how that like the business side of the industry moves and what the trends see and what people talk about 
hit listen to people that have seen that saw you know that bigger scale of an industry like for a couple decades i would like to learn more about them i'd like to learn what they what they talk about in that type of uh industry in indie yeah like, okay you know yeah for because sure. i mean seeing as there's not much of a of an industry here even though there is i mean it's it's huge i mean and the concert and venue uh touring type of shit i mean wiz khalifa said indie is one of his favorite people, places to come he yeah. said it like on a radio interview like like listed indianapolis you know what i mean so yeah, like i know sure. it is a big thing but as far as like industry as far as like labels and such um i'm not i, I want to know more about what's what's going on here and what people in that type of situation not even music yeah. related but like you know what i mean uh advertising uh, marketing and shit like that is super super uh it's always been really interesting to me yeah so they're out of bloomington my gig's remote um but yeah like them secretly canadian down there you know that um they're the leadership at both those organizations obviously know one another really well mm -hmm. through the years and a lot of clients for a long time have been virtual and remote you know obviously like they're not doing music tech companies out of bloomington only uh mm -hmm. clients are all over the world so um you know they've grown right alongside people like cd baby right mm -hmm. talk about distributing your own work independently as an artist like um so getting to be in those waters and like just learn from those people has been really cool for me what else do you do uh me yeah uh, I, my goal in life is I want to help as many people as I possibly can across my lifetime. Um, and I want to make sure I'm always caring about the people as I'm going through that. Um, and one of the first things I had to do in order to maintain the ability to just work without the concern for like having to have a regular payment coming in to pay bills so I could focus on helping people, um, was I was able to purchase, um, a small bit of real estate over in Irvington where I was a double-sided duplex. Um, and then I have renters on one side and I live on the other side, which eliminates a lot of my expenses. That's cool. Um, and then secondarily, I, uh, started a consulting business, um, that essentially helps people through this same kind of process. So like this idea of how do you bootstrap, like what are finances like an early stage startup and like, how can I, is my idea any good in terms of a financial idea? Right. Um, you know, I, cause most people come at it the same way I do where it's like, I want to help people. And then I come at it from like a, I want to help you help people. So I'm going to take us through the ringer right now so that we can prove to other people that this is a good idea. Right. Mm. Um, so I focus on making, making things make financial sense for everybody and then making sure that there's a positive community or environmental impact to the people that I'm helping. Um, and I, my, that company is called Argona partners and we just work with small businesses to try and make sure that they're getting like we're, we're their advocates in fundraises um, and we help them just understand more about their business as they're progressing to make sure that they're like on the straight and narrow for, for becoming successful. So that's tight. I want to talk to you about some things. Yeah. Anytime. Uh, okay. So cool. Uh, and, and just a little bit to wrap it up. My last question is, uh, you know, let's talk about a couple, uh, you know, trials that y'all have been through. Uh, as far as this goes and, and you know I know there's been people on the team that, that aren't on the team anymore oh, yeah. you know what I mean I know you've had issues you know with uh, you know thievery or uh, you know maybe you know having to share the space and shit like that you mm -hmm. know what I mean like let's, yeah. let's just look just a couple obstacles uh, that you think could help somebody else if they had to go through it and you know yeah hmm. if you could think of one thing <clears throat> that was like uh, very relieving to overcome um, yeah, we, you know, I'd say get your HR tight early. 
um, and expectations and ways to communicate with other people in the team. Um, we had a great company culture, but the main problem is like when conflict arises and it inevitably will, how do you deal with that conflict? Right. Mm. Um, and so whenever you're dealing with a founder or other people who are working with you on your project, like you, you have to be able to deal with them for at least seven years, like I mentioned. Right. So like ask yourself, can you deal with this person for seven years before you get into bed with them in a company? Right. Mm. Um, and so when you're dealing with that kind of level of difficulty in terms terms of long-term relationships, um, we actually found a really great way to break it down into four key areas is like whenever you want to say something to somebody, you might be frustrated about one aspect of what they're doing or frustrated about something else or having a terrible day. And what we do is we break it down into four distinct areas and you have conversations in each of those areas. And that is, I'm going to talk to you right now as a founder to founder, like we need to be on the same wavelength. I'm going to talk to you as a volunteer. Like we, I need to let you know, like, Hey, this is what you're doing as a volunteer and we need help. Um, I need to talk to you as an employee, which is a completely different conversation because mm -hmm. I'm paying you actively to do a thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And then the last one is friend. So like, cause sometimes you have to have a really hard conversation with an employee and you're like, I don't want to do this cause you're my friend. Right. So what you can do is you have to have both of those conversations and say, Here's the problem as like a, you know, a founder. And if there's, if you're having a specific issue with the company, here's the company's like mandated response to it. But then also as a friend, here's how I'm going to help you resolve this problem. Right. Uh, and you know what? That's what makes shit shitty. Mm -hmm. uh, I tell you for myself, you know yep. what I mean? I've been in a lot of situations with a lot of people and mm -hmm. I'm just like type of motherfucker that don't like to fuck with a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I've made music with the same people my entire career. Mm -hmm. uh, and like, you know, you get into this thing in hip hop where everybody, when you meet, will start calling you brother. Yeah. Especially if they can find something like a reason that they need to keep you around. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that, especially, I feel like in indie or other places that are small like that, mm -hmm. um, they feel like the only way to keep you around for business is if they pretend that you guys are really close friends and yeah. convince you that you are. You know, it's uh, like a form of gaslighting almost. It, yeah. yeah, and so it's like, all right, boom, you get to the point where. Uh, you know, you would expect somebody to move a certain way because they have fake built this trust on you, just claiming to be your closest friend and partner and stuff like that. And then when they pull some wild shit, you got to like, you take it harder and mm -hmm. shit like that. So I've taught myself to like take the friendship out of it all. But then also, you know, I react like I would to a friend yep. for business things, mm -hmm. which is also wrong. You know what I mean? So I'm like, who the fuck are you? Why the yeah. fuck are you? Hey, fuck you. You feel me? Like shit like yeah. that. Where it's like, hey, wait, hold on. That was something that we could actually uh, pull back and we could negotiate mm -hmm. as business partners. Yep. And then I'm going to say, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like the biggest advice there is just untangle your relationships like and keep them clear and line and linear. Right. Mm -hmm. Like make sure that when you're talking to somebody, you don't just say like, fuck you. You like sit for a moment and say, as an employee, you are terrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, but then say as a friend, I understand you're going through a bunch of shit right now. You know what I mean? And like those two conversations, if you mix them together, Mm. Sorry, just <laughs> you mix them together. He's over um, here hardcore with the hand moments. <laughs> <laughs> if you mix them together, feelings will get hurt. Yeah. And that's and that's not what you want when you're dealing with business because the worst part about business is that you have to deal with people. It would be a lot simpler if you didn't. 
Um, but the best part about business is you get to deal with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, bad business relationships uh, can ruin friendships. You yep. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Having to fire the homie, it might not be the homie no more. You know, stuff like that. Yep. Uh, and, and you know, shit, it is what it is. When you when you're doing what you got to do, I guess. For but sure. also at the same time, you know what I mean? Relationships are important. And uh, and uh, I like the way you guys are moving so far. I really, I so. Ricky, really yeah. fucking with all your answers today. <laughs> I'd like to talk it. to you, you know me, some more about some other shit in the future. Uh, Kyle, man, shout out to you for coming on this motherfucker. Uh, shout out to y'all for uh, listening to this conversation. Uh, we almost pushing two hours, so, man, just tell your socials. Tell people where, where, to, uh, where to find Sound Space and shit. And, yeah, yeah, we can wrap this motherfucker up. Awesome. Thank you so much Love. for today. Tell, yeah. tell me the socials. Where can they find you? Yeah, it's Soundspace, S-N-D-S-P-C. That's the website. That's socials. That's anything. Uh, you can currently find me at the Kyle McGinnis. Uh, if you're around now, you type in T-H-E-K-Y-L-E, it should come up. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the Kyle is going to bring you right to where he's at. <laughs> hey, Ricky, do you want to give your socials? Or you, uh, you tell them what you want to mind their fucking business? Oh, boy. Um, well, I'd say Soundspace is, is just Soundspace without any vowels. So mm-hmm. it's S-N-D-S-P-C, like he said. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking for Argona, it's A-R-G-O-N-A. Go ahead and Google it. We'll come up. Um, and then my personal are ricks and stones so. nice and, and, and <laughs> cop the merch because I designed that shit because oh, yeah. I'm good at fucking graphic S and dot com slash store yeah, yeah. slash yeah. store Catch slash slash the shit Draco drew yeah, you feel is, me I'm wearing I'm wearing a shirt right now it is my my best shirt I definitely I go get one the shit that Draco drew will get some clicks well oh, yeah. I, let's do a let's do a post on that yeah <laughs> cool. yeah alright and uh <laughs> shit man as y'all already know man man shout out to everybody man hey look man and goodbye